episode 294, Cloak and Dagger, season two, episode six, B-Sides. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben. Ben Avery, and this episode is a solo episode. This is a weird thing. We don't normally have this happen here on the Welcome to Level 7 podcast because we've had so many different people uh, to co-host over the the years. Um, There have been one or two episodes where it has been just a solo hosting situation, and and this is one of those situations where if we were going to stay on top of the calendar – it just didn't work out to have Stuart or Samantha join me. And so here I am flying solo. And what does that mean for the podcast? Well, not too much. It just means the conversation might be a little bit quicker because I'm talking to myself. Uh, but anyway, it's a, uh, uh, you know, we're still talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if you're just joining us for the first time, then welcome to Welcome to Level 7. And uh, this is a podcast about. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you know we've had a big, big week last week with uh, Endgame episode, and this week is also a big week because th- this week, uh, this upcoming week, I should say, we have a, an episode of Cloak and Dagger, and we have an episode of Agents of Shield. That's right, Agents of Shield is already back. It is going to be back this week, and uh, I'm not sure what order uh, our episodes about. Uh, the upcoming Cloak and Dagger and the upcoming Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are going to come. I have a feeling that even though Cloak and Dagger Episode 7 is going to be uh, is going to come out before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6, Episode 1, I have a feeling that we're going to jump on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> before we jump on the Cloak and Dagger. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. It just I'm I'm I have to say as much as I'm loving Cloak and Dagger, I am super super excited about Agents of Shield returning. And you know, as I said before, I, I'm actually rewatching season two right now of of uh, Agents of Shield. Actually, we are on the next to last episode. We just watched the next to last episode of the season, and so we'll be watching the season finale. And of course, that's the season where the Inhumans popped up. That's the season where we have um, Ward coming back and acting like he's trying to be a good guy and and then turning out to be, well, Ward. And that's the season where we find out that Sky has powers. And it's been fun to watch with my kids as they have no clue what's happening except for my one daughter who discovered accidentally through a, a meme on Instagram that Ward was evil and so it's it's been fun to do that and it's gotten me primed i really wish that i was watching season five right now uh but i'm not going to rewatch season five as i'm rewatching season two and then just in another month or two well another two months or three uh watch season five again with my kids so I, I'm, I'm not doing that, but um, I'm hoping that it'll be easy to jump back in the saddle because uh, there's a lot that happened. And, you know, there's also some interesting consequences that come out of Endgame. I'm not going to spoil that here. Uh, spoiler pol- policy, if you are not aware, is that um, <laughs> we, we have lots of spoiler policies. One is uh, if we haven't talked about it and it's appeared, we're not going to talk about it. So we're not going to talk about you know, Jessica Jones season three anytime soon here uh, because we haven't talked about it on the podcast. But the other thing is Endgame, we are still not spoiling. Uh, we just we just aren't going to do it for a little while because we want to give people time. You can watch very easily something on Hulu like, um, well, that's the way I watch uh, Cloak and Dagger or Runaways or any of those things. You can watch that very easily on Hulu and getting three hours out of your week for some people is very difficult. So even though the Russos have said that they have lifted the spoiler moratorium or whatever you call it, uh, they are now saying it is free game to spoil Endgame. Um, 
We're not doing that here. Uh, we just we just aren't, and and that's because we don't want to in a conversation that has nothing to do with Endgame accidentally spoil something that has to do with Endgame for people who haven't seen it yet. So if you listen to the post credit scene <laughs> on the last episode of uh, Welcome to Level Seven, you'll hear I actually did drop a spoiler. I, I bleeped it out in the in the post credit, but I dropped a spoiler. and was like, Oh shoot. Now what do I do? And we had to go back and re redo that line because you know, we didn't, we didn't want to spoil anything. So yeah. So that's our, our spoiler policy. And, um, I'm here to talk about cloak and dagger season two, episode six, it's called B sides. And it's this episode, man, got that song stuck in my head. So, You've seen the episode, I'm assuming, since you're listening to this podcast, and so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Throughout the episode, you know, they had one song, and that was the basis for the entire soundtrack of the entire episode. Now, that song is an old gospel song called In the Sweet By and By, and it's a song that I've heard at funerals. It's a song that I've heard just being sung by congregations as I've been attending a church. Uh, It's it's a song that I've heard on my Southern Gospel out al- not mine, my parents' Southern Gospel albums. Uh, it's a song that is, it's a beautiful song, and it's a song that uh, now is stuck in my head, and I've been singing it ever since I saw this episode. I mean, it's just been stuck in there and stuck in there and stuck in there. Doesn't help that I went ahead and went on Spotify and, and you know tried to find some other versions that would have been found in this episode. Uh, and listen to them then as well. It uh, doesn't help that I listen to the Johnny Cash version of this song three or four times because at, uh, that's just from a great album. Now, I talked about the website tunefind. I think it's .com. I better check. And it is tunefind.com. And uh, they listed a couple variations of this song on on their website. TuneFind is a great website. We talked about it before that allows you to look up specific episodes of TV shows. And it then gives you a listing of the the songs that they used in that episode. And they also did a uh, article about this episode of Cloak and Dagger, a featured article in their blog and um, with some interviews with people who chose the music and stuff. And so I'm going to read some excerpts from that article on their blog, um, you know, to help give some more voice to this podcast with only me being here. You know, right now, all you're getting is the Avery part of Welcome to Level 7. And everyone knows that, you know, you need you need a Stuart or a Samantha to make things more interesting than just um, me talking to myself. But... This way, it it makes it more interesting. So this is on uh, blog.tunefind.com. And uh, the article, the title itself is interesting, has some interesting information. That's that Marvel's Cloak and Dagger weaves a story with 17 versions of a song. And yes, I mean, I noticed the song right at the beginning. Like I said, this is a song that I've heard over and over again throughout my life and and you know growing up in the midwest growing up going to church growing up with um, not just with a family that uh that listened to southern gospel music but also growing up with friends who like did southern gospel music concerts and then going to college and being in a music group that traveled around and uh, a big part of a repertoire was southern gospel music now i'm not personally a Southern gospel music kind of guy, um, but you know my my voice. I, I sang bass, and my voice uh, fit nicely into the needs for a singing group that was singing Southern gospel music. And so, I don't think I ever sang this song officially in any kind of um, concert or anything. But I do remember singing this song uh, just on the bus with <laughs> with. Uh, the people uh, on on the team. So yeah, this is a song that I'm very familiar with, and I have to say I have a, an affinity to. I like this song. I, I I love the the lyrics of the song. I love the simplicity of the song, and and I just I I just like the song itself. I like the 
I, I just like what it is, is singing about, you know, and it's used in funerals. And they're going to talk about this in the article, but this is a song that you sing at funerals because this is a song about the hope of of a life after death. And, you know, as, as someone who is does belong to the Christian faith, I do believe that there is uh, more to life than just the physical. And that includes more to life than just the life we're living right now. That there is, you know, a hope in heaven. And that's what the song is about. You know, in the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Uh, and it just, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely sentiment that um, it, it made even more lovely, I guess, if, if you share it. <laughs> So um, anyway, they they interviewed a couple different people from the show. Um, sh- uh, the showrunner, Joe Pukoski, said, We love playing with music to catalyze the drama on Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. And in this scene, we leaned into it even more with our record store. For this episode, we fell in love with the idea of the same song bleeding through each of these realities that Tandy was being placed into, like a song stuck in her unconsciousness. And then music... Uh, supervisor Jonathan Christensen said Marvel's Cloak and Dagger thrives on experimentation so sometimes we like to sprinkle many different reinterpretations of a song throughout a single episode threading together storylines in sometimes obvious but often understated ways and so um, they did like this is I've heard this before you know and, and we talked about the music in this this show this uh, it, the music of Cloak and Dagger is is absolutely a very, very important part of the show where it, it's it's expressing themes and it's bringing up ideas and it's absolutely then setting tone. I mean, for sure, it's it's setting tone. But um, yeah, the, the song itself, they use it in, you know, with street performers, they use it in kind of a, a hip hop version. Um, they use it as just a piano playing and and a, and a single voice singing and then they end it with johnny cash and the interesting thing about ending it with johnny cash is that the links that uh tunefind.com gives to johnny cash's version of the song is it's the wrong version that they're actually linking to and i found that really surprising because they're linking to this old version that johnny cash did when um when he was you know, young and vibrant, and and uh, the the version that they actually used in the episode is from I think it's my mother's hymnals. I think what the the album was called, which is a very it's just a great Johnny Cash album. It's one that he did uh, very close to to death. I'm not sure if it's the last thing he recorded, but it's one of the last things he recorded. And it was just him sitting down with literally his mother's hymnal and a guitar and playing. And singing and and it's just it's stark and it's energetic and it's um it's somber at times uh now obviously in this version of uh in the sweet by and by it's it's not somber he's he's singing a song that is about like that joyful hope of of uh being reunited with family in life after death and um so he's singing it, it, the song so close to his own death, which just makes it so um, there's just something more, I don't know, touching about it. I, I, I don't know, but it just, it just, the song itself takes on a new meaning when you have a man who truly believes what he's singing, but he's also singing it very, very close to the time that the song is about in his own life. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a great album. If you have a chance, uh, you know, find it on Spotify and, and listen to it. Um, the version that uh, that's done that they link to on the tunefind.com website is a version from when he's you know playing with a band and they're all just going and it's it's fun and it's exciting and it's you know it's it's a it's a cute song that he's singing, but it doesn't carry the gravitas and the weight that the version that they use here carries. Um, you know, he's, he's got a younger voice in that version in this, this version that they use here in the episode. It's, it's him with that, his, his, his voice is, is gravelly and it's just, it's just a different, a different tone that comes out of it. So anyway, this song then it is, it's woven back and forth and in and out and all throughout. And so I'm going to talk about the, the story then, because this, 
there's some really interesting stuff that's going on in the story. And one of the interesting things that's going on with the story is that there is so much story that happened beforehand. Um, the previously on just felt really, really long. <laughs> there was just so many things they had to touch on because this episode pulls on so many strands from what came before. Because we're getting a look at alternate versions of Tandy's life. And for you to have uh, any kind of, of context with those versions of Tandy's life that you're seeing that are changed, uh, to really grasp the changes, you need to be reminded of what really happened. And so they have to give a whole lot of backstory, uh, not only backstory on you know, just her whole life up until this point, but also uh, backstory on just where she is right now and what, first of all, where she is in reality with the ambulance. And second of all, where she is in her imagination, which last episode really set the stage for last episode had the whole framing sequence where she was giving a toast. And then at the end we find out she's telling the story and giving a toast uh, to Tyrone. And he, you just, you just get this idealized version of Tandy's family, this idealized version of Tandy's friends, Tyrone especially. Uh, you get this idealized version of just what life could and, and should be like. Well, we had no idea just how idealized this was. This goes deep. This goes really deep. This this idyllic, idealized life uh, that she that she's living right now. So as we start out with the cold open, we have a man with gloved hands rifling through the Tandy Bowen albums. And the Tandy Bowen albums are these albums that are there from the in the record store, not from the record store, in the record store. And this this record store was in a mall. This mall is inside cloak, well, Tyrone's cloak, cloak's cloak, because Tyrone is cloak. Um, and so you have her albums were in her own section and there were a number of other sections of albums that were labeled with names of other missing young women. And so Tandy's albums were already there for some reason, which we're going to find out some connection uh, with this record store and her in a moment here, but her records are there and the man with gloved hands pulls out an album entitled Perfect Life. And so this album gets set down on the turntable. The needle gets put down on the album. And we have song titles that go along with Perfect Life. And so if you pause, you can kind of read the song titles that are on the album. And what's interesting about these song titles is that they actually give some backstory leading up to the moment in her life that she is living in that's in this kind of imaginary realm. There's a track called Mother, Father, Dearest. There's a track called First Recital. There's a track called Arabesque. There's a track called Prima from Queen. There's a track called Grand Jury from Home. There's one called New York, New York, and one called Soho Studio Style. And then one called, I couldn't quite read it. And um, I actually got out my reading glasses to try um, as I was looking at it and, and watching it on my, my phone. Actually, I was watching this episode on my phone when I, when I watched it. But the episode, the, not the episode, the uh, track uh, for this album, the final one, is Something Flack Freedom. I, I don't know. I, I, did, I couldn't read it very well. What we find out, though... As this album goes on and the music starts, and this is where I heard, like I said before, um, I immediately heard in the sweet by and by. I was like, that is weird. Why are they playing in the sweet by and by? And it's part of the soundtrack. It's, it's, it's composed music for this soundtrack. And uh, I'm just thinking, well, that's really an interesting choice, but not unusual because they've done stuff like this before. We have Tandy and Ty as children lying on the beach where they are found by their father and by, uh, not by their father, I should say, by Tandy's father and Tyrone's brother. They, they find them on the beach. They run to them 
And this is different. Clearly, it's different. So we cut back, and there's Tandy uh, continuing the toast. And she's the toast she's giving is to her port in the storm, to my best friend, to my hero. Can't wait to see how you make the world a better place because he has become a police officer. And then who should come through the door but Connors? And why would Connors come through the door? Because Connors was Ty's mentor and everyone is getting along and everything is perfect life. Um, They're talking about how she's going to do a dance in the New York Ballet. And her dad wants tickets for a friend and um, and then Ty's mom. And this is where I'm thinking, well, this is OK. I, I understand now where this song came from in the opening scene here where it was part of the regular uh, music. But Ty's mom uh, sits at the piano and begins singing in the sweet by and by. And um, it's now I'm realizing, OK, this is a this is a running theme. Um, I didn't realize there were 17 versions that were going to be coming. There were going to be another, another 15, uh, iterations of this song. But, uh, the moment is interrupted when Tandy's dad reaches for her mom and she yells, no, don't hurt her. She yells at her dad. And, uh, it turns out he was just wiping away some confetti from her, her shoulder. So she goes outside after the outburst and Ty comes out in a hoodie because something got spilled on him. Well, of course that puts him into the same clothes, um, that I'm thinking, okay, it's just symbolic clothing. Cause he's cloak, you know, even though he's not cloak in this, in this reality that she's dreamed up. Um, but they go for a walk together, and, and uh, as they talk, uh, we get to hear the details about how this reality is different, and the crash and the accident pushed her family to straighten up, and Connors ended up not killing Ty's brother, and because Ty jumped in to go save this girl who was in this accident, um, Connors didn't arrest uh, Billy and Ty. And so ever since then, uh, Connors has been you know, investing in, in Tyrone's life. But then they go to the store to get the ice that they're going to pick up and they get accosted by two racists in the store and tensions rise. And one of the racists ends up firing his gun because uh, Tyrone is going to prove he's a police officer because he's wearing a hoodie over his uniform. But Tandy was carrying the badge. And so, you know, it just she ends up dropping the ice. He racist ends up firing the gun and they activate their powers for the first time because they touch as they're trying to scramble not to get killed by a gun and suddenly tanny's back home in her house and it and she looks different uh and and so what's really cool about this episode is you know this creation of this perfect world this perfect life and we talked about last episode about how the girls who were kidnapped and drugged in the back of those those ambulances, um, they were people who did not have any hope. When she would touch them to see their hope, there was nothing. It was just them in black. And when I mean when I say in black, I don't mean they're wearing black. I mean that they are in just an infinite black. Um, there's just there's no background. There's no foreground. There's no nothing. It's just them and darkness and blackness, and. So here you have, uh, as we said last time, um, this is a place of hope. This is a a world of hope. And um, the interesting thing is that in each one of these, uh, Tyrone is there and is a part of that hope. So side two of the album is Fractured Family. And so we're going to get another reality here. And so here's the names of the uh, songs that are on this side of the album, Fractured Family. Um, And the reason I say side two is because he does just flip it over. This is not a new album. He takes it off the turntable, flips it over, puts it back down. And so Fractured Family has Good Name, Born Twice, What's Left Over, Called in a Favor, The Smile on Her Face, Nathan, Not Him, Bookworm Blues, and First in Class. And this is all setting up then um, these ideas that are going to happen in this in this reality, the Act Two reality. Uh, you know, there's a lot of of how she has a good name, um, the name Bowen. Even though he is not working in this area anymore, uh, he was the Roxon Golden Child, and so she has that good name, and. Yeah, but he's not there anymore. Um, 
mom called in favors to get her that job. And, you know, it just, there's all the Nathan, not him, where, you know, she's not Nathan. She has to work to get beyond that. Bookworm Blues, I imagine, has something to do with just, you know, she's, she likes to read. She graduated early and she was top of her class and all that kind of thing. And so in this one, we get kind of a folk music version of In the Sweet By and By. And she works for Roxanne and her mom, like I said, called in every favor. But now she's late because she has to head out to the rig, the drilling rig, because there's been some strange readings. And when she gets there, no one will talk to her except for who? Tyrone. And again, this is where you kind of get this. No, not kind of. They're definitely painting this picture of how the two of them need each other and everything leading up to this episode this season has kind of been bringing them together, but then kind of pulling them apart. And and in the last episode, especially where she goes off on her own and says, I don't need anybody because I'm doing things on my own. I'm doing what I need to do and you don't have to do it. I don't care because I'm going to do it on my own. I could do it by myself, blah, 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 blah. And here it's kind of getting proven that, yeah, you maybe can try to do it by yourself, but you need Tyrone's grounding. And and this is true. This is true of human nature, isn't it? That we need each other. And I am I am as introverted as the sun is hot. I don't know. That's a really bad metaphor, but you know, because I'm I'm the writer guy. But um yeah, I, I'm very introverted, but even I recognize I need other people. I need other people beyond just my wife and my family. I need other people in my life to to help me learn, to help me grow, to help me not be lonely. I mean, you, you need other people. That's just, we are a communal species. We need community. And she, here with her two realities so far, uh, in, in the first one, it's that perfect life where she's been friends with him ever since they were kids, ever since he saved her life. And, and, and now that they, you know, they, they've grown up, they're still best friends. Even though you know he's dating someone, and um, you know, she's she's in New York, so they're they're separated by by space, and not just um, relationally, but there's there's a there's a large distance in between them. But they're still keeping that really close friendship. Well, here he's just the only one who actually will talk to her and listen to her, and we find out that um, just like her mom got her the job, well, Billy got him the job. His brother got him the job, and. When Mina comes, she gives a ton of attitude to to uh, Tandy. You know, she you, you traded in on your dad's name just because your your name Bowen doesn't mean I'm going to respect you. That kind of thing. But Ty is the one who noticed all of the strange readings, and so Ty is the one who helps her to see the readings again. And um, there's a really interesting back and forth where they're talking about science, and she talks about how she used to love science because it was black and white. And every question has an answer. And then he agrees because science has a sense to it. But interesting that she would say and call out that it's black and white when we consider the the motifs that go along with the characters' color schemes where Tandy's color scheme tends to be white. I mean, her power literally is these white light daggers. And meanwhile, Ty, from the beginning with his black sweatshirt, his brother's black sweatshirt, uh, has had that darkness and, you know, it's in the comics as well, but his power when it's activated, you know, it, it gives out these black smoky tendrils. And, you know, there is something very comforting in having a black and white um, answer in front of you to just, it's binary. It's this or this, yes or no, zero or one, black or white. Anyway, she recognizes that something's not right, and she sees someone that I could not see very well. I don't know if it was my phone, but I did keep going back and back and back and uh, just hitting that 10-second backward button kind of thing. Um, put on my reading glasses, you know, and, and I don't think we were intended to see, like, clearly who it is. Um, but then things start to go wrong. The, the rig is going to explode. They touch hands again. Their powers activate again. And then we cut to the ambulance. And this is where we see what's going on with her in the ambulance. And this is bad. Um, she's being sedated constantly. And then we move to Act 3. The Act 3 reality. And is it a new record? Nope. He just flips it over. And like a magician, it is a different side. There are three sides to this two-sided record. And he puts it down. 
Now, what's interesting, I just thought about this, is the idea of the three sides on a two-sided record. We're going to find out that there are actually three sides to the people who were in the water when that accident happened. Um, because this whole thing has been talking about, you know, the the divine pairing. And when Tandy was in the cloak, there was the the coin with the dagger on one side and the the cloak on the other. And it's always been about two, two, two. We have Bridget being broken apart into two, two, two. But we get a third here. We get a third. Um, so in this reality, oh, by the way, I couldn't really, I couldn't read the, uh, the track listing on the, on the record album. But anyway, Tandy is walking around wanting to save shorebirds, but she doesn't really want to save shorebirds. She's just distracting people and stealing wallets from them. And she happens to steal a wallet from Michaela's boyfriend. But yeah, she gets caught. So she runs. There's Ty stealing a car. And what is this reminiscent of? This is reminiscent of his mother stealing the car when they were running away. She uses Ty for her getaway and she threatens him with an actual knife, not a light knife, which has been showing up in her at the end of each vision. Uh, we also find out that in the ambulance, she's got those uh, those light those light daggers. But um, she it, he's going to help her stay safe. He brings her down from a panic attack. He helps her to escape as the police start chasing them. But it's not just the police. There's an ambulance that's chasing them as well. Um, he wants to take her to a hospital, but she doesn't trust that kind of place because why? Because ambulances. So they're being chased and eventually they do, uh, the end ends with them touching again. And then back in the ambulance, we find that um, they're talking about her and what makes her so strong. And it's Andre and he's sitting there and he's saying, I don't know how she's so strong, but everyone has a breaking point and we're close to hers. So we move into the act four reality, which is actually just her running through all these these other realities. This one, um, he doesn't flip it, though. See, three sides to that record album. Now, he doesn't flip it. He gets a new one, and this one's called Jam Session. And we see that it's Andre. And this is where I was disappointed because I predicted that Andre was going to be just exactly who he said he was, a helpful person who wants to help people. And it turns out he is a helpful person who just wants to help people 90% of the time. <laughs> so um, so we have her just running through all the different things. The music is wrong. She sees a mysterious figure. Um, and the thing that I would say that happens here is just Ty is not there in any of this one. Act four reality is her running through these other realities. But and so that's one element of it. But the other element of the act four reality is that there is no tie. This is important. You know, this is, uh, I, I just, I love the relationship that they've set up here and I love how it feels very natural and strained and, and just genuine. Uh, so she's, she's in the, back in the store, back in the party, back on the street, back in the rig, in the party. Uh, eventually her dad berates her in the party and then she's in the record store. She sees jam session is playing and Andre tells her not to touch it. Why? Because you know, your fingerprints can ruin it. He's wearing the white gloves because he knows how to take care of vinyl. Um, even imaginary vinyl in a, I don't know, pseudo spiritual plane of existence. I don't know what this is that they are in, but he's harmed by light daggers. She's, she's able to throw one at him and it hurts him. Tandy quickly figures out everything. And this is where she says, these records are just a collection of women's misery. And he says, no, it's a collection of despair. And there's a slight difference between misery and despair. And again, this is what we talked about last time where they're they're They danced around it talking about the, uh, you know, the opposite of hope, but yeah, despair. It's an absence of hope. And we find out that uh, huge surprise, like um, him being despair. Well, that was a surprise, uh, which, as we talked about before, despair is a Marvel villain who um, tends to pop up in Doctor Strange comics, but also popped up in some of the, the Cloak and Dagger comics as well. And he somehow drains people of their hope. Because he needs their hope. And 
Um, he was in the water when the rig explosion happened. And now he has discovered that he has this power that he needs to take people's hope and it helps him to feel better. I'm not sure exactly uh, all the details there, but um, 90% of the time he is exactly who he says he is. And 10% of the time he finds people who can't be helped and destroys their hope. And, you know, she says, that's not, it's not cool. And he says, yeah, you were doing it too. You were stealing people's hope. She's like, not exactly. He's like, well, you know, if you're stealing people's hope, whether you're planning to or not, you're still stealing people's hope. Of course, I'm, I'm not directly quoting here, but she breaks the record player then, um, which was cool. Like I, I didn't expect her to do that, but she, she, instead of attacking him, she breaks the record player and she's in the ambulance and it's empty in a car speeds away. And we move into the act five reality. And so the question I have for you, dear listener is as you were watching, how soon did you realize that this was not her back in reality, but it was actually a fifth reality we were stepping into. It took me a little bit of time. Because the things that they did when she came back were were so natural. She goes to Tyrone for help and she gives him the information and they decide that they have this mission. And so they get Bridget to come and help them. And Bridget calls for police backup. Um, but instead of waiting for the police to do what they're going to do, they're, they decide we're going to go to them. And so Andre is preparing to escape from his office and they poof in and they almost have a superhero battle. And, you know, you have uh, Ty poofing in and out. You have um, Leah uh, holding a knife to Michaela's neck. And she's going to, you know, she just happened to be there at just the right time. And um, you, they they are able to save her. You have a standoff uh, where Andre was just like, look, everything bad in your head comes from you. You're a bad person. You're not going to get better. You're alone. And she's like, you're right. All that bad stuff did come from me. But as right as you are about that and the fact that I believe that I was not worth anything, I was alone. I was wrong because Tyrone and Andre's like, yep, you're right. You were alone. And then Tyrone made it so you're not alone. And now I'm going to make it so you are alone again. So he shoots Tyrone because he figured it out as well. Andre did. And then we're back in the record store. And this is <laughs> uh, when he got shot. I started started wondering, is this really happening before I really had a time to come to a conclusion? We're in the record store. And here I'm thinking, OK, it isn't really happening. Um, but. Yeah, it's too late now. Um, Andre starts telling her you hurt everyone you touch and you got to give up before you hurt someone else. And then we get Johnny Cash playing in the suite by and by, and she gives a light dagger over to Andre and hope is lost. And she is there in the infinite darkness and back in the ambulance. We see Andre saying she's ready, ready for what? Ready for episode seven is what I'm going to say. Um, this episode, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. I, there's so much going on, so many moving pieces. And, you know, there was some budget stuff where you can kind of see the budget peeking through and you can kind of see, you know, but who cares? I mean, they're using the budget really, really well um, because that, I mean, that infinite black, you know, how easy is that to create? you know, in a, in a computer, <laughs> as far as CGI backgrounds go, infinite black is probably the, maybe, maybe infinite white is, is the, is cheaper, but they both end up really working well. Um, yeah, it just, man, man, uh, there's some really good stuff going on in this episode, really good stuff. And I, I like the way that they have those realities and see, you see the different hopes that she would have had. Um, you see the different lives that she could have led. And then you see that it's actually Andre just trying to sort through things and get her to break. And it worked. And, you know, so she comes to this character arc realization that she needs Ty, but it's still kind of too late for her. The, so every tie that we get in each one of these uh, things, uh, 
is not real. And so that's another interesting thing about this episode. This is completely done from Tandy's point of view. So, yeah, that's that's B-sides. And I, yeah, I've already said, you've heard me. I've enjoyed it. I'm liking it. I love the musical selection that they had there. And as much as I'm bothered by it being stuck in my head, in fact, it's not just bothering me that it was stuck in my head. I'm walking around work all day singing the song to myself, you know, just under my breath. No one really noticing, you know, I'm not doing this in public. I'm not doing this, uh, you know, I'm walking down an empty hallway and singing this to myself quietly. But when my son, um, Wednesdays are an interesting situation where I work at the, at the church where I work because they we provide a dinner on Wednesday. And so my family comes and we have family dinner there at the my place of work. My son comes into my office and so we're sitting there and I'm shutting some things down, getting ready to go eat dinner with him and I'm singing the song. And he's just, dad, stop singing it. Stop singing that song. Like, you don't even know what the song is. I don't care. Stop singing. So this song getting stuck in my head did not only affect me. It also affected my son. But anyway, we did have one bit of feedback for this episode of season two B-sides and it is from Agent Hank again. Agent Hank writes in to say, I was hoping your speculation regarding Andre being part of the trafficking ring was incorrect, but I have to say Ben was right. And I'm just going to stop right there and say that um, there was another listener who who brought that up first and made me question things, but also made me hope that I was not right or that the listener was not right. Uh, Hank goes on to say, that said, I don't think we were ready for the reveal that he would be the MCU version of despair. Um, and cutting in again, me, because I'm alone here. So I'm I'm interacting with this as if it's a conversational thing. But absolutely, absolutely. I did not think Andre would be despair. However, I was expecting despair to show up, if not in this episode, in the next couple of episodes and and actually show up as as a a big part of of the conflict that's coming up um that much i expected that he would be a part of the disappearing uh young women and that um that drained hope that they have that that would be a result of despair because you know the opposite of of hope all right so hank goes on to say This is a fascinating look at how genuine despair looks. The difference between misery and despair is that misery is an ongoing fight against a sense of rejection, while despair is total emptiness, a complete absence of hope. Throughout the episode, Tandy is fighting against the drugs and the awareness that she has been kidnapped. She can tell something is wrong, but the drugs are preventing her from connecting the dots. All of her dream sequences end with the saying or doing something to make the situation in her dreams worse. This tied in with her framing story from last week regarding the farmer and the viper. While I agree that the viper is Tandy, I'm not sure that Ty, or anyone else for that matter, is the farmer. I think in her mind, she is both farmer and viper. She wants to do good, but she is also guilty of hurting herself and others around her. In fact, that is precisely what Andre slash despair uses to finally break her. He convinces her that she has no one except Ty, and then in her mind, he shoots Ty, killing him. Without Ty, Tandy truly feels like she has no one, and that is what convinces her to surrender her hope to despair. This is what I think really drives despair, a palpable disconnection from others. I believe that we need others, and when we feel there is no one left, we are, lo- we are open to losing hope. There have been several studies that show the psychological damage caused by solitary confinement and, and others that show that substance abuse can also be influenced by the sense of connection and community one feels with others. As I said last week, the series has powerful things to say, not just politically, but emotionally and psychologically. I feel like I'm always heaping great praise on the show, but I truly believe that this show has earned every golden nugget of praise it receives. I was wrong to think that this week would feature a rescue based on the coming next week clip. I won't make that mistake this time. I will be interested to see what indeed happens next. Thanks for your thoughtful commentary. I can hardly wait for next week. Cloak and Dagger and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the same week. What an embarrassment of riches. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Thanks, Hank, for, for writing in. And yes, it is a great time. I mean... 
in the last in this month alone. In this month, we get Endgame, Cloak and Dagger, and Agents of Shield, and I can't wait. All right. Well, that's this episode. I want to thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for spending your time with me here. Next episode is probably going to be Agents of Shield. We'll see. I'm very curious uh, about what's going on in that show. I did watch the extended trailer and there were some interesting things in that. I also watched the Spider-Man far from home trailer that they released where Tom Holland comes on and says, Hey, if you haven't seen Endgame, don't watch this trailer. And I would agree. I would say if you have not watched Endgame, do not watch that trailer. And if you don't like trailers spoiling things because they show so much stuff, don't watch that trailer. You only have to wait until July 2nd for the movie to come out. So I I was just talking to someone today and just saying I, I wish that I hadn't seen the trailer just because there's there's stuff going on there that, well, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I am curious how these two trailers together affect the MCU. So anyway... Um, I just want to leave you with this one last word of, of just hopefully useful information for you. Always remember that birds can go anywhere, but the shorebirds choose here. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 17755-LEVEL7. Also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Thanks for joining us until next time. Godspeed. talk spoilers let's talk spoilers uh first of all you're welcome for not singing second of all i'm sorry for the organ (laughs) third of all um i'm just going to talk about far from home trailer and agents of shield trailer so if you have not seen those trailers specifically because you want to avoid spoilers then now is the time. And I'm not going to play the spoiler organ right now because I just played a really long organ song and I'm not going to play any more organs in this episode. But I do want to mention something or some things that have to do with spoilers that have to do with the trailers. So it's not new information spoilers. It's not that I've seen the episode or the movie spoilers. It's that I've seen the trailers and I find an interesting connection between the two of them. You have been warned. I'm about to say a word that is from the trailer. And as I speak um, that word, it will be a spoiler of sorts. And so um, if you've seen the trailer, listen on. If not, I've given you plenty of time to stop your iPod or your Zune or whatever. Um, but in both of these trailers, again, this is a spoiler for the upcoming season six of agents of shield and Spider-Man far from home spoiler that comes from the trailers, but spoiler nonetheless. And that is the one word I'm about to speak right now. Multiverse. They have opened that can of worms 
in the trailer for Far From Home, and they seem to have opened that can of worms in the season six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I hope it goes well. I had hoped that they wouldn't go there, and now they're going there. Although it seems like it could cover up a multitude of story plot sins as the uh, MCU movie-verse dog waves the MCU TV-verse tail. So we'll see what happens, but I do find it interesting Maybe on purpose, maybe not. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, this could end up being that connective tissue that um, connects the, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to the movies in the same way that you had um, them cleaning up stuff from the dark world. So we shall see. But I do find it very interesting that these two things, the next two things in the MCU after Endgame. Um, these two things both are including what seems to be a uh, a multiverse of sorts. And I, I will also say this, though. Mysterio is all about, all about deception, all about um, illusion. And so it is very possible that the multiverse explanation for what he's doing is smoke and mirrors so it's possible he's using that and that we aren't stepping into a multiverse in spider-man far from home but we could be and i just i just don't like the way that that opens up things but then again into the spider-verse which was intentionally about a multiverse was very very good so anyway that is the post-credit monologue <laughs> and uh yeah what do you think you think they're connected whether it's on purpose or not um i th- i just find it very interesting that they both are opening that can of worms of multiverses and i think it's only a matter of time before tom holland is voicing a spider-man on a sony animated movie and then it will all be connected. <laughs> so I think it's also quite possible that with that multiverse thing opening up, can you imagine the post credit for Spider-Man is people walking through a portal and you only see silhouettes, but emblazoned on their chests, you see the number four, something to think about. 